You're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com, in a conversation that is being recorded on the 17th of December, 2018. And today we're talking to Dr. Mark Skidmore of Michigan State University. He is the director of the North Central Regional Center for Rural Development, the Morris Chair in State and Local Government Finance and Policy, Department of Agriculture, Food and Resource Economics, and a professor in the Department of Economics at MSU. Uh, Dr. Skidmore, thank you for joining us on the program today. Thanks, James. It's really glad. I'm really glad to have an opportunity to talk with you. Excellent. Well, we're talking today about a subject that will be familiar to any of my long-term viewers and listeners, because I've talked about it several times, but it's something that we keep coming back to because it is an incredibly, unbelievably important subject that bafflingly receives zero attention in the mainstream press, or perhaps not so bafflingly when you look at the implications of what uh, this could mean. I'm talking about the question of the quote-unquote missing trillions, the trillions of dollars of unaccounted entries in 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 the books of the Pentagon that we know about through a series of reports from the Office of Inspector General. And this, as I say, this is a story that we've talked about over and over because it keeps getting more and more incredible and amazing. Uh, perhaps the most um, familiar example of this, this uh, the revelation of this knowledge for my audience will be the September 10th, 2001 press conference in which Defense Secretary at that time, Donald Rumsfeld, announced the new war on bureaucracy in which the, they were going to be fighting the accounting systems that, for some reason, couldn't track $2.1 trillion in, uh, in transactions on the Pentagon's books. But, of course, as, again, as my listeners will know, that number ballooned into $8.5 trillion at some point, and now we're facing the number $21 trillion. It just keeps getting more and more incredible, insane. And, again, the complete lack of interest of the mainstream media would be, again, would be baffling if we were to expect that this was uh, an issue that they wanted to cover. At any rate, this is an issue which you have taken up. And I did mention this recently on the program when we were talking about the Pentagon's failed audit. For the first time in the 20, I believe, 22 years that the Pentagon has been legally required to audit its books, it actually attempted to do so this year and failed, (laughs) unsurprisingly. But uh, when we were covering that story, we did direct people specifically uh, to missingmoney.solari.com, where you and Catherine Austin Fitz have been producing reports and updates on this missing trillions and what all of this means. So Dr. Skidmore, it's great to have you on the program to talk about this and get into some of the details of this baffling, complex, crazy, almost unimaginable subject. And uh, the first thing that I want to ask you today is, how did you, as a professor at MSU, how did you get involved in this? How did how did this pique your interest? How did it come on your radar? Yeah, I, I had been listening to an interview with Catherine Austin Fitz, and she's the person I'm collaborating with on this project. And, and she had mentioned a, a report that was put out in 2016 for the Army's budget in 2015. And she sort of mentioned, well, you know, the Army had $6.5 trillion in transactions that couldn't be accounted for. And um, and the Army's budget is $122 billion in 2015. So it, it was like 54 times. And 
I have a background in economics, public budgeting, public finance, and I thought, that's impossible. You can't come up with that many transactions that are unsupported or transactions that can't be accounted for on a $122 billion budget. So, I, you know, I, I've listened to Catherine on a number of interviews, and I thought, you know, I really respected her, and I thought, but this cannot be right. And so I I found the report myself. It bothered me, and I found it on the OIG website. I started reading it, and I was just astounded. And, I, you know, and there's, de- uh, there's a few details in there. It's pretty vague, so it's hard to pull out exactly what's going on. And that motivated me to contact Catherine. I said, well, let's just throw a couple of graduate students. We'll sift through thousands of existing reports dating back to pre-Rumsfeld era and just see what we can find. And we decided to focus on HUD, Housing and Urban Development, which we found about a trillion of unsupported adjustments. And HUD's budget is much smaller than the DOD. Um, and then we found uh, you know, an additional 20 20 trillion for the DOD, and sometimes it would show up in an Army report or Navy or Air Force or overall, and and they're incomplete. We only found a smattering of reports. The OIG doesn't do this every year, but it was just a you know a huge number of of uh, a dollar figure, astounding amount of money that could just somehow be unaccounted for in some way. So then the question is, is well, what does it really mean? And um, I've been trying to ask questions to get to that point. Um, so I'll stop there, and then we can move forward after you All right, so, so you have arrived at this number, $21 trillion, which is the sort of the headline n- number at missingmoney.solari.com. And so this is gathered from a number of different reports that have been issued by the OIG over the years, and these are numbers that are gathered from these different reports and then added together. Are, is there the possibility that these numbers are cumulative or that some some numbers that are reported later include some of the numbers that were reported earlier or these are completely separate for specific fiscal years? Well, you know, for example, the most recent report came out for the Army, 2015, $6.5 And there'll be references in the report, well, we had to make these adjustments to account for some prior years. But there were several years for which there were no reports. And, you know, you go back a few years and there was another report for, you know, so many hundreds of billions or a trillion here, a trillion there. And, and so it's not clear, right? I, it, it doesn't make sense to me that you would issue a report for, you know, let's say 2007, and then somehow in 2015, there would be, a, you know, a reaccumulation. I don't think that's what's going on, um, although it's unclear. As so many other things in this story are unclear. Um, all right, so let's talk about your attempts to try to clarify this. This seems like if the Office of Inspector General is issuing these reports, then there is some public interface with this data in some way, at least through the OIG. So they would be receptive to sharing that this data in some form with researchers like yourself? Well, initially, um, I had been interacting with somebody at the Office of the Inspector General. At one point, I had a phone call with two or three people, and I just was trying to get a handle on some specific questions in the report. And But the people that I talked with couldn't provide answers to those. 
And at some point, I was referred to a communications person at the OIG who, of course, didn't know anything, you know, specific with re regard to these reports. And um, and then at one point, all of the uh, URLs were disabled for the OIG. And um, and then at some point, um, I had done an interview on Michigan Radio regarding this question. Actually, I, I've now done a couple of interviews, which I think are really useful. Um, but they just stopped responding. You know, at one point they they responded to the producer of Michigan Radio and said, "Yeah, we'd be happy to provide more information." And I'll give you three examples because you could read these reports and you could ask a number of different questions for different years. So I just picked the latest one, the largest one, six point five trillion, and I said, "Here are some examples that I I don't see how you could possibly get a you know." get to. And one of them was uh, what looked to be like an $800 billion transfer from Treasury. And I'm thinking, well, $122 billion. I know how Treasury relates to the different agencies within government, whether it's a state government or national government. You, you know, in a given year, um, the Treasury would transfer funds over to the Army in the amount that was authorized by the governing body, which would be $122 billion. Why would you need to have a transaction of 800 billion to um, make an adjustment, right? And they wouldn't provide a, a, any kind of specific answer to that question. Um, Dave Lindorf, the author of this recent report by The Nation, actually went to Treasury and said, you know, what's going on? And Treasury just didn't respond. So that's one example, right? So we don't have an answer. Um, another one was there's a $900 billion uh, a, a set, you know, adjustment for accounts payable. And so one of my questions is, is well, why, how could you get accounts payable of $900 billion in transactions that we don't know about? What were those for? And again, no response. Um, and, and, you know, some people have said, well, it can be internal, right? You know, um, from one part of the army to another. And so these adjustments, but why would they be unsupported? Um, and I'll give you another example uh, regarding that in just a moment that Norquist provided. Um, and, and here's the one that I sort of narrowed down. At one point, I said, forget about my other questions. Um, here's a, a, a question that I think you could respond to easily in a day's time. And in the report, there were 170 adjustments that tallied to $2.1 trillion. So that's a huge number, right? A, a, a trillion is a thousand billion. Uh, 2.1 trillion is bigger than the GDP of India, and it's embodied in just 170 transactions. What in the world could that be for? Will you please just provide an addendum on your website or send me a spreadsheet so that we can all see what those adjustments were for? And they just stopped responding to any inquiry. And so I've been trying to pull on that string. Because I, I recognize that, you know, if you go back all these years for different parts of the DOD or HUD, that no one person is going to provide an answer to um, that would satisfy what happened to 21 trillion in transactions, right? That are unsupported. Um, but you could you could answer that question, and I haven't gotten an answer. Um, so 
that's sort of those are that's the the kind of interaction I've had with the Office of the Inspector General. I've talked with the Office of Management and Budget and talked with the GAO and um, so and, but nobody seems to have any clarity on this. I've tried to reach out to lawmakers and I get very little interest or response. Um, so you know that's the kind of thing that has happened along the way that I just I, I can't make sense of. And then um, there was a hearing, a C-SPAN hearing with David Norquist, who's the comptroller of the DOD. And, um, and so this was on, I think, uh, something called Metabunk. And there was, Norquist was explaining, well, you know, with the $6.5 trillion, um, there was a lawmaker asking, how could that possibly be? This is just crazy. And Norquist says, well, you know, you have the general fund ledger um, and, and then you have the uh, property book ledger and these systems don't talk to each other and so when you have something happen on the property book you've got to somehow reflect that in the general fund book and so let's say you have a base closure and he says well that could be in the hundreds of billions that you'd write down on your property book and you have to reflect it over here and that's the reason that we have 6.5 it could be hundreds of hundreds of billions and so I thought well I read the report, so I looked at the report, and, and indeed there are about $160 billion in transfers related to property, tra transactions related to property. So that's a huge number just for a change in the property book, so what? it doesn't say what those were for, but even more importantly, that's only, you know, what, 2 or 3% of $6.5 trillion. There's a whole set of transactions that are unsupported that Norquest just completely ignores and nobody asks any more questions and that's it and that's the explanation right clearly inadequate and you know is he being deceptive I, you know did he lie you know if he were in the court of law would he have lied well he didn't he didn't say something that was untrue it was just totally incomplete and nobody asks any questions he just explained maybe two percent of the problem maybe yeah. <laughs> right yeah yeah I, I i'll throw the link in to um to that video that you you mentioned so that people can watch it for themselves and and make of it what they will but keeping in mind that they are talking about 6.5 trillion dollars specifically in that specific instance of unsupported transactions and he gives an explanation, which, as you say, if you drill down in the numbers, might support to $160 billion or something like that in, in that range. Yeah, so. $164 billion. So, you know, all kinds of things like this have happened along the way. And it's like, what, you know, what, if, if this is just accounting gimmicks, you know, if you read the reports, I'm just going to read some of the explanations, you know, um, that are embodied in this report. Some failure to correct system deficiencies, incorrect data entry, omission of restated balances, erased records, budget execution adjustments, poor existing systems, complexity of operations and contracts, transactions counted multiple times that are unsupported. I want to talk about that one. Um, changes in the property book, which I just explained. So these are the kinds of very vague general explanations. And, uh, you know, at this point, you know, when I heard, you know, I, I didn't know about the Rumsfeld thing right before 9-11. It kind of disappeared very quickly, right? But that's the last time it really got a lot of play in the media. 
um, back in 2016, I think Reuters had a, a piece um, about the 6.5 trillion, and it just sort of showed up and disappeared. Nobody made a big deal of it, and I'm thinking this is so huge. Why doesn't anybody want to look at this? So I I just said, well, I'm willing to ask some questions. I have a background in public finance. If you look at the you know at the state level. Um, the budgets of New York, California, and Texas, that's about five, six hundred billion, right? And they have very complex systems. They have intergovernmental transfers to schools and municipalities. They have uh, vast geographies, uh, own land and capital. And they have, to, they have to make all of this work. And every year they come up. It's not to say that things don't happen at the state level or local. We know Shenangan has happened all over. But these states produce audible reports, and they don't have adjustments of this magnitude. Typically, these unsupported adjustments or transactions that can't be accounted for are just a small fraction of authorized spending. How can it be many multiples? I don't understand. All right. Well, I'm trying to wrap my head around this um, from my layman's perspective, where I have no training whatsoever in public finances or how this works. So I, my initial thought would be that, for example, if there are these entries, $800 billion from the treasury, uh, you know, received, then if that is, if we are to take that, is, 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 this is possibly actual funds that were received from the treasury. If, if that were true, wouldn't that be reflected somewhere in the treasury's books? Wouldn't we see this from another angle somewhere? Uh, wouldn't that give credence to the idea, well, this is just made up nonsense that they're plugging into the books? Wouldn't there be some other way at, at seeing yeah. if this is real money? James, none of this makes any sense. So, you know, uh, Dave Lindor's conclusion was in, a, in the Nation article is that these uh, unsupported transactions, transactions that we can't account for, are done purposefully by the DOD in order to obfuscate and and so it's so vague and unclear, nobody asks any questions, and they're able to negotiate for increased spending amounts every year. That's his conclusion, and I, I don't agree with that conclusion. I don't know how you could possibly conclude that. If, if Treasury doesn't respond to a question about, well, was this an actual transfer, then Treasury, did, how do you know that that wasn't a real transaction that occurred, that money actually flowed in in some way? I don't know. Um, similarly, if the OIG doesn't provide any information about these 170 adjustments, why would the Army make those numbers up, right? Or how could it be that these, um, they're just erroneous transactions, you know, um, that there's system problems in those huge amounts, just 170 transactions worth $2.1 trillion. Um, so the, the, you know the DOD's explanations of well we don't have we have inadequate systems and we're basically incompetent we can't fix it over two decades does not make sense to me, but it doesn't make sense to me that well they do this on purpose to obfuscate so that they can somehow negotiate for more funding, you know to me that would work in the opposite direction if I were a lawmaker I would say get your books fixed and then we'll talk about what you need, um, but that never seems to happen. And so then the other alternative is the one that Catherine, based on her experience in HUD, has emphasized. is like, this could really be trillions of dollars flowing in and out for who knows what purpose. And so, 
in the case of money flowing in, we have this example of 800 billion that appears to be a transfer from treasury. So then you have to come back and say, well, what's happening within treasury? And say, well, if you assume that the treasury is um, operating in full transparency, then that's impossible. It can't work, right? Yeah. Well, that's that. That goes down to the heart of. Again, I, I know nothing about this. How the the if the the Department of the Army or whatever is supposed to get 122 billion, how does that transaction take place? The Treasury cuts a check for 122 billion, and the Army goes and cashes it. I mean, how does that actually happen? You know, I'm not sure exactly how that would happen, but usually there is a a regular transfer of funds from Treasury to. Whatever, you know, if it if it's a state government's treasury to various agencies or the national government. And so it would be over the course of a year, a transfer of one hundred and twenty two billion of authorized spending and there wouldn't be any more transactions. So I don't understand, even if it's erroneous problems within the army, why you would have a transaction of eight hundred billion that somehow is connected to treasury. And so. Then you have to come back, and and that's where, you know, I don't think anybody wants to look. So what if Treasury has two sets of books, right? And I don't know that. I I, I can't know that, right? Um, But we do know, and and this is one thing that I really think is important for us all to understand. Um, As the DOD was going through its audit this year, um, the Federal Accounting Standards Advisory Board Um, made this announcement that, you know, we have this problem. If we actually report on spent expenditures, there might be some issues of national security which would emerge. And so so one option, and this has been the option that uh, has been taken in the past, is that you would redact certain expenditure items and would just be blacked out, right? Um, But they said, well, we're not going to recommend that. What we're going to recommend is this. And this is astounding. This is a huge change. It's so important. They said, we're going to allow a certain group of people within government, a small group of people, whoever they are, to determine what a national security issue is. And those same people will then be allowed to restate budgets and actually move funds from activity A over to activity B and affects a bottom line. And so now, um, you know, so that was a recommendation and every single department within government, except for the OIG, uh, did not like this solution. But everybody said, even HUD said, yeah, this is a great idea. That way we can just, you know, present the pu- with, to the public a budget that looks good. But it's fake. And we have no idea how much money was moved around. Right. And, and they will never tell us well, that. So repeat told. that. That was a recommendation that was made that was adopted and is now the law of the land. It was Octo- uh, adopted on October 4th, just in time for the, you know, the, the summary results of the DOD audit. So they failed the audit, but they were able to use this ruling in their reporting. Right. So. A reporter was asking me, well, what do you think of the audit results, et cetera? And I just said, well, with this new rule where you you have a fake um, book, financial statements, that is presented to the public, and then the real one, which remains hidden only for a few people to see, why would I waste my time looking at this? I have no idea 
if this is legitimate or not or reflects any kind of real spending. I don't know. And that applies to every department of the federal government? Yeah. That's, (laughs) I mean, that right there is kind of the story of the millennium. (laughs) But apparently zero interest from anyone. That's, I mean, that's astounding. They are are now openly admitting that there are now, yeah, fake books. You can't rely on any of this information. Yeah. But but we'll continue to pretend that it's legitimate. Exactly, yeah. So I, I think we have to do everything we can to try to reverse this, but... I don't see anybody standing up and saying, you know what, this is wrong, right? It, um, it's, it's insanity. This is utter is. insanity at, at, on every level. That that the public isn't doesn't it, that this isn't the number one story for the American public at this point is just it's unfathomable. Um, so so coming back to Treasury, right? So maybe they had two sets of books all along. I I don't know. Right. So we've just legitimized, we've just formalized with this new ruling and the acceptance of this two sets of books story. Um, so, you know, you know, it was so non-transparent before, but at least the law was in the favor of, of citizens and taxpayers. And now we don't have any recourse. We can just point to this. Well, this ruling says we can restate things if it's a national security issue. And then, well, what defines a national security issue? And who gets to define it? Yeah. And who get you know? It's not clear to me who gets to define it. So this is a huge issue, um, and you know, I'm at a loss. I'm, I'm like, well, you know, how, well, how do our we? Our conversation them? keeps coming back to that phrase of yours. Well, we we don't know for sure, or I can't say for sure. What can you say for sure? What do we know about this problem? <laughs> That's a good question, James. Um, I, you know, I've thought a lot about this and um, there, there, you know, there's something um, authentic happening at the OIG when they pr- re- produce these reports. They're saying, you know what, we're taking a smattering of what's happening at Defense or HUD and we're finding some huge adjustments that uh, transactions that can't be supported and by the way this is kind of interesting is the OIG just provides a sort of summary overall statement in in these reports there are um, also trillions of dollars that were supported and so Dave Lindorf was asking the OIG well what does that mean when there are trillions of supported adjustments and and, uh, the OIG just said well we don't actually go in and look in detail what we do is say, well, were those transactions approved by the authorized personnel? So in addition to all of these transactions that were not approved by authorized personnel, we have trillion, additional trillions of quote-unquote supported adjustments, but the OIG hasn't actually gone in and looked in detail. They've just said, well, some somebody at a high level said this was okay, right? So it, you know... You know, I've said I've tried to be consistent in my assessment because I I'm not an insider. I I happen to know something about public budgeting. I seem to be naive enough to ask these kinds of questions and say I don't know. I want to know how can you get a, a 2.1 trillion from just 170 transactions on a 122 million dollar budget? It makes no sense to me, right? And so, you know, does it make sense that these systems are so Archaic? Well, no. And by the way, the systems were designed primarily by Lockheed. 
right? So we have this conflict of interest. And about two years ago, that portion of Lockheed's business, these financial systems that they create and manage, was spun off to another entity. So, you know, that doesn't make sense. Tell us a little bit about that story. So the, 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 the financial systems that the Pentagon are using were supplied by Lockheed Martin? Yeah. Yeah, for many years. Um, and, and, and not just that, it, it, they provided the systems for HUD as well. Catherine Austin Fitz tells a story when she was Assistant Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, how she wanted to get more transaction-level information about the assets that were you know, in the portfolio that she managed, and she was unable to get them. They said, well, you don't have access to that. And so how can one make you know, decisions if you don't have access? So that's a complex issue. And so that was spun off a couple of years ago to a separate company. Um, but Yes, which so, raises so the, the question about the old canard that has been floated around since this issue first arose, that, oh, it's the, the legacy systems, they don't talk to each other. Literally now for two decades, they've been using this excuse. And I don't know, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I've seen large numbers being thrown around in defense appropriation budgets um, for years and years. Oh, we have to, we need another however many tens of millions in order to update the systems and get them talking to each other. We need a, another hundred million for this audit. How much did the audit cost? Was it 900 million? Am I getting that? I don't remember off the top of my head. I, I, I'd have to look. But it's it was many, you know, many tens or hundreds of millions. Um, so a lot of money. For um, a failed was, audit, which the uh, the Pentagon thinks it should get credit for at least going through that process? Or having having tried to do it, they felt like that was a real accomplished event. Um, and, you know, and I, I, you know, the system's not talking to each other. I mean, think about uh, state government, for example. They will uh, make uh, some sort of property-related investment to a municipality through a grant to buy, say, a fire truck. And so the city will then purchase a fire truck with that funding, and then the, the local auditor will verify that that transaction was made in the right amount, and they'll have a summary report. They'll submit that. In, usually in paper, maybe electronically, to the state government. And the state government auditor will say, yes, indeed, you know, City X um, spent the money in the way it was supposed to. And the systems don't talk to each other. They just are able to, you know, verify it through um, a, a appropriate methods. And so I know that the Army, for example, has many bases all over the world, and each base has to be managed. Um, so it, it is complex. But I think it's possible to, to, to do this without many trillions of dollars in adjustments. Uh, I know, again, we can't say for certain, but it seems fairly likely at this point. I think we can say <laughs> with, with great certainty that the Pentagon is obviously not interested in solving this problem for whatever reason. I mean, well, and I would I would go further. I would say that lawmakers are not interested in solving this problem. Treasury is not interested in solving this problem. Dave Lindorf's article came out, and you know I, I don't necessarily agree with his conclusions, but it legitimized the fact that $21 trillion is indeed missing. There are transactions that can't be accounted for. Um, I, I wonder, has, has anybody started an investigation? Are we going to have any hearings under oath? 
to find out what's going on with some of the, you know, really going in and looking at specific transactions. And if there's some layer of inappropriate activity, then somebody should be held accountable. Somebody should probably go to prison, right? We're talking about gross, you know, ethical violations, right? And yeah. Well, what, uh, again, this couldn't possibly happen, come down right? to one person. I mean, this has to involve multiple people at multiple levels. <sighs> again, uh, it's insanity. It's utterly... In, I cannot process how this could be going on and not be one of the most pressing national security concerns in and of itself. <laughs> Clearly, if we're talking of tens of millions of dollars, tens of, sorry, I can't even say the word, tens of trillions, trillions. of dollars yeah. that can't be accounted it's, for, we don't know what it means, and no one is talking about it, there is no congressman or senator that's taking this up as a crusade, it's not in the news. Again, part of, part of it is that the numbers are so huge, it just sort of flies away, right? Uh, you know, a trillion is a thousand billion. A billion is a thousand million. So we're talking about such huge numbers, it's just hard to I, I was thinking today about that number 2.1 trillion, which was announced on September 10th, 2000. It had been floating around for, for several months yeah. at that point. But I remember thinking of that number and thinking, oh, tr 2 trillion. And realizing I myself in my own head was rounding that off to the nearest trillion. I was rounding off a hundred billion dollars just because, <laughs> I, you know, the 2.1, 2 trillion, it's the same thing. No, I was rounding off a hundred billion dollars, which is one sixth of the budget of the Pentagon in, in its entirety. I mean, again, we can't wrap our heads around these numbers. It's just utter, utterly unfathomable. I, I think, you know, coming back to your question, what can we know? Um, and I think one thing we can know is that the government is hiding, right? So this is coming out, um, but my goodness, no real underlying data has been released. Nobody is saying, yeah, please have a look at these transactions. It, they're hiding. You know, I, I, you know how you, uh, if you flip a coin, it's a 50% chance it'll be heads or tails. If you flip two coins, it's a 25% chance that you'll get two heads in a row. And if you flip three coins, what are the odds that you'll get um, three heads in a row? And of course, that's 12.5%. Well, so I have about 10 things that favor non-transparency, you know, that have happened along the way. So now we're talking about, well, what's the likelihood? You know, I don't know what these probabilities are, but what's the like? You know, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, at 50%, well, they just redacted the report because that was the smart, the right, wise thing to do. They, um, do, you know, oh, you know, maybe they were just revising their website, and that's why they pulled all those reports off, and then eventually they put them back. Maybe that really was that. Right? Let's just give them a 50% and 50% chance that they were actually trying to hide something, right? So if you just assigned all of those 10 things that have happened, full redaction of the reports, um, you know, the government, you know, at this particular time, changing the reporting rules in the favor of non-transparency. Um, at one point, um, Dave Lindorf gave an interview on NPR, and whether it, it, this was, you know, I don't know that it, for whatever reason that it emerged, but he mischaracterized me and said, well, Mark just thinks that these are just plugs. And and that that's not true. I don't know, right? 
and I, I, I can't get more information. So all these things happen in the favor of sort of characterizing this as just, you know, um, you know, big comedy of errors. And what's the probability of those ten things happening? And it's it's so small. It's like point zero nine. I did the calculation. You know, point zero nine seven percent chance. You're such an that economist. <laughs> all of these things could happen in the direction of non-transparency, and and it's like, well, you know, what's you know what's the likelihood of that? And so it it appears to me that we can confidently say um, our government. It's not just DoD. Our government is hiding lots of stuff, and I, you know, and why are they hiding? Is it because it's just all fake numbers? That's one conclusion you could make. Um, are they hiding because they're just incompetent? That's another conclusion you can make. Are they hiding because there's a whole lot of stuff going on, far more spending on who knows what um, that could have you know real global implications? And implications for the financial markets. And right. Well, let's get into that. I, as you say, you're working with uh, Catherine Austin Fitz in this. Uh, obviously, it's Solari.com, and this is MissingMoney.Solari.com. Uh, what, what is Catherine's take on this? <laughs> well, Catherine's take is is that there are literally, you know, I mean, she uses the 21 trillion to sort of, you know, as a place marker. But she'll say we don't really know. There are. You know, these reports suggest there are trillions of flowing in and trillions flowing out. But what we have calculated is just a smattering of the total. We, you know, we can't know from just these reports. But she will say, based on my experience in HUD and what happened, and her her feeling is is that you know she saw the housing bubble, you know, coming in part because of the shenanigans that she was aware of that was happening at HUD. So her her feeling is is that no, it's not just fake numbers or plugs, and it's not just incompetence because she helped design the financial statements for HUD, and there's she says there's no way that we should find hundreds of billions of dollars in unsupported adjustments at HUD, and yet we do. So she has that expertise there. Um, so her her feeling is is you know there's something you know really wrong there's some spending is flowing in and out that to, to who knows what purpose and um, so that's her feeling um, I'm I haven't had that internal experience I'm I'm a professor so I have I'm bound by what I can know from you know the resources I have at my own disposal and so that's what I try to stick with but I will say you know as a human being and a citizen of the United States I'm disgusted it just makes me sick to my stomach to think that our lawmakers will allow this to continue. And who yeah. knows, right? It makes me sick to my stomach. Well, I, I, that's the natural reaction to this. I would say if that isn't your reaction to this story and you are an American, uh, then I don't, I mean, you don't understand this story. <laughs> I mean, again, maybe there's some explanation for this and they'll open up the books fully someday and, oh, oh, I understand. I couldn't imagine what that explanation is. But until that happens, anyone who is not sick to their stomach by this story doesn't understand the story. So I guess that does raise the specter of the question that, again, as an economist, as a, as a, as a professor, you can't possibly answer, but I will ask you as a human being, what is the next step for this? It clearly is not 
going to be uh, through this audit process, which, as you say, now is completely openly fake books that we can't rely on. And it's not through Congress, which clearly no one is pressing this issue. No one is pressing through this. What options are on the table for the American public moving forward with this? That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, what I've tried to do is just shine some light and adds a layer of transparency. And what it suggests is that we really don't have a democratic institution supporting, uh, you know, what's going on. Um, But I think that if enough smart people (laughs) are not smart, but enough people who are in positions of authority become aware of this, we can make a difference, right? If, if, for example, pension fund managers recognize, wow, there's something really wrong. Um, until we get some clarity, we're not going to buy any more government bonds. This is this is too uncertain for us. It's not a wise investment unless we have some clarity about what's going on. So if you get enough people in those kinds of positions of authority to say, you know what, we're changing our behavior and we're going to get this straightened out, then that's then then you end up really pinching things, right? So. I don't know if that will actually happen, but I think that's where it needs to go. People who manage billions or trillions of dollars in funds need to say, we need to really have an understanding of this. And if until we do, we're not buying government bonds. I think that's, I mean, clearly you're right that there has to be some critical mass of understanding of this issue. And... I think that brings us back to the question, the fundamental question of the, the, the press and the press's role in bringing this issue to the public. Can we imagine a universe where instead of Stormy Daniels or whatever the outrage of the day is, was not being covered 24-7, it was this type of information that was being covered 24-7, it would be an issue. Everyone would be talking about it. There would be investigations. They'd do something at any rate. And something would happen as a result of that. Um, but that is clearly not happening. So what contact have you had with the media over this? Have you found media interest in this? You, you mentioned, for example, Dave Lindorf, who you worked, I assume, worked with on his story for The Nation, who is now contradicting you and mischaracterizing you. There's clearly you know, some it, problems here. I, you know, I, I like Dave. Um, and I don't know that he purposefully mischaracterized me, but that's how it came across. And so I sent a note to NPR and I said, you know, I just want some clarity, so I I added, you know, I said, can you please post this statement? And they did. Um, So they did do that. Um, A little too late, but at least it's there on record. Um, I've had some people contact me, um, you know, reporters, um, um, and so we'll see what they say. Um, uh, I don't know, you know. I know Dave Lindorf has been doing a number of interviews. Uh, The Nation article just came out in print. Um, um, but it's not really hitting, you know, the only reason it made the New York Times and the Washington Post was because, uh, uh, what is her name, uh, Ortez, um, the, the new incoming uh, congresswoman, um, had tweeted out about the $21 trillion and how that could be used to support social programs. And so then there was this big question about fact-checking. And the good news is, is that the, they fact-check 
the 21 trillion in transactions that couldn't be accounted for, but then said, well, it's not real spending, right? And, and my, my take on it is, is, well, she could actually be right. You know, I don't know. Um, or, you know, we should be looking. And so um, at this point, the thing that bothers me so much and is, you know, you know, everybody says, well, take our word for it, whether you're a GAO person um, or, uh, you know, whomever. Well, you know, it's not really that. And it's like, well, just show, just provide a little transparency. Give us some information about the underlying transaction so that we can assess. Because my trust level is at zero. You need to earn it back, right? Show us what it is. Um, have a, a hearing where people testify under oath. Let's have a layer of confidence and restore trust. And if there is something wrong, then it will, will come out, right? Right now, we just have to take people's word for it. And I think you and I can easily come up with numerous examples where our government officials openly lied and it's verifiable that they lied um, for who, you know, for various purposes. It's like, well, okay, you know, sometimes people misstate things, but in this case, we need we need actual verifiable evidence. It's so huge and so anomalous and so strange. None of it makes any sense whatsoever. Okay, so in an attempt to summarize <laughs> what we can st state about <laughs> this 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 issue, we know that there are at least. 21 trillion dollars in unsupported transactions on the Pentagon's books, but presumably X number of trillion more, because again, this is just what we're getting from little crumbs from these OIG reports that are issued in certain years, but not others. So presumably, who knows how many more trillions. We know that there are in fact many more trillions of dollars in supported adjustments that are only supported because we're taking the word for it that someone high up signed off on it yeah. so that's good enough so again we have no idea how much bigger this problem is but presumably much larger and we it, these very well could be real transactions of real money flowing in and out real trillions again we have no way to say that it isn't so yeah at this case in this case we are really talking about something fundamental to the united states as an entity um, and the way that it functions, and its revenue, and its resources. Yeah, it's existential, right? There's it's no existential, exactly. It's it's the whole thing is absurd, right? And and you can you can you can do all kinds of calculations. Like now, let me give you one last example. And say, let's say it's you know multiple counting. That's a common thing that people say. Well, we have our systems that don't talk to each other, and so. A single transaction can be uh, counted multiple times on both sides of the ledger as we move through the system. So the Army, for example, we found $11.5 over this period that we looked at of, uh, of transactions that couldn't be accounted for. Um, well, we know from other sources that about 40% of the Army's budget um, is for, for labor, for personnel. Though that's easily tracked, right? We have a social security number. We have money flowing out to people, benefits going out to people, right? That that's not likely to generate uh, multiple transactions. So let's take that forty percent out, and let's look at the remaining sixty percent. Um, 
of the budget. And if you sort of go back over the same period and calculate the total amount of spending for non-personnel, um, and then div- you know take the 11.5 trillion and divide by that, every dollar would ha- have been counted um, had to have been counted nine to ten times. And I'm thinking, you know, you. I just need to see the underlying data in order for if that's the reason for this mass show me because I don't buy it. All right. Well, I think we will have to leave this conversation in this state now because there's really as as we say there's so many things that we don't know and people who presumably should be providing this information to at least interested researchers like yourself are not doing so. So it's, again, an f- unfathomable situation. We will be directing people to a number of the resources that we've discussed here today, including, of course, the Missing Money page at Solari.com, and the link will be in the show notes. But are there any other resources that you want to direct people to or any other writers or anything else that you want to bring to people? The Missing, money, the missing, the missing money at Solari.com is a great resource. It has some summary thoughts about you know some of these questions that we're asking and, and sort of updates along the way. It has all the original docu- government documents. We pulled them um, and put them all in one location. We indicated the page number where you can actually go in and read the you know the the amounts of the transactions that could be accounted for. Um, in addition to that, I think there are two articles I wrote with. Uh, Lawrence Kotlikov on in his column at Forbes, and I think both of those articles are useful. It sort of goes through some of these scenarios and asks some pointed questions, and um, um, so that's useful as well. I think, and uh, and the Nation article has a lot of useful information, even though I don't, you know, necessarily agree with Lindor's conclusions about the nature of the um, or the reason for the adjustments. Okay. Well, as I say, we're going to leave this conversation here today, but if there are further developments or further reports, I hope you'll be back on in the future to discuss them because, again, I can't think of a topic that would be much more important, as you say, existential topic for the United States generally. So, um, Dr. Skidmore, thank you very much for your time and for for talking to us today. And uh, if you have a personal website that you'd like to direct people to, please do so. Well, you can find me at at Michigan State University. I have a standard website. so you can learn more about my background and research there. Um, right. But if you want the missing money, you know, go to Catherine Austin Solari.com website. Okay. Well, as I say, all the links will be in the show notes. Uh, Dr. Skidmore, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. The Corbett Report is brought to you by you. Your support makes the Corbett Report possible. Sign up for the subscriber newsletter or purchase a DVD at corbettreport.com slash support.